Hello and welcome back to another episode of Nick Tiffany's Movie Reviews in the podcast form. Today we are talking about the Super Mario Brothers, a franchise that needs no introduction, uh, possibly the most iconic video game duo of all time. Uh, you know, unless you've been living under a rock, I'm sure you have played some form of a Mario game or know someone in your family or friends who've played a Mario game, whether it's the Mario Brothers, whether you're playing Mario at the Olympics, Mario Golf, Mario Tennis, you know, there's just about anything under the sun that you can think of. Mario has done Paper Mario, Baby Mario, Super Mario Sunshine. Um, the list just goes on and on. Uh, the Mario world and the Mushroom Kingdom is such an expansive place that for decades now, fans and people have grown familiar with and you know there was a failed Mario movie that came out in the past a live action you know bless them for trying but it it doesn't seem like a story that necessarily serves itself in a live action fashion so Illumination the people behind Despicable Me Gru all the Minions movies uh they've teamed up with a couple writers uh Michael Jelinek uh and Aaron Horvath, who, I mean, look and get their credits. These guys have done a lot of stuff for DC, whether it's Teen Titans, Teen Titans Go, some of the DC animated universe movies. Um, and a lot of that kind of makes sense now that I'm reading this because the action in this film really stood out, you know, and in a lot of ways, the movie is light, fun, a little goofy. Um, but there are some genuine action pieces um, or cinematic moments that you're like, oh, whoa, this is kind of hardcore, actually, especially for Mario. Like, this is, you know, it's a, you know, it doesn't last too long before it's underscored by a little bit of humor. But there are genuinely some moments that was like, whoa. I'm like, I'm sure I've seen this in Justice League or The Avengers or, you know, certain scenes that you can kind of sync up or you're like, oh, this is, there's a lot of Mad Max Fury Road influence once you, uh, get out on Rainbow Road with different Mario Karts and things. Um, so the story is pretty straightforward. You've got Chris Pratt as Mario, Charlie Day as Luigi. They're Brooklyn plumbers just trying to make ends meet, trying to launch their Super Mario business. They poke fun at the Italian heritage and quickly drop their Italian voices. Um, you know, a lot was made when Chris Pratt was cast as the voice of Mario. A lot of people were kind of like, it, you know, isn't the guy that actually voices Mario still alive? And he is, and he voices Mario's dad in the movie. Um, but of course, this is animation, they want to sell tickets, and so Chris Pratt plays Mario. And he's fine. You know, it wasn't bad. It wasn't, I think, as bad as some people were expecting it to maybe be. Um, there's not a lot of Italian flair in his uh, plumber, you know, he's more... More New York, Brooklyn than anything, um, and he's got a little couple hints of it. He gives you a couple yahoos and it's a me, but uh, yeah, not so much in the way of Italian. But midway through the movie, it just kind of felt like he was doing a different voice, um, which is fine. You know, he wasn't he wasn't bad. Charlie Day was, I think, more of a standout as Luigi. Um, his voice style kind of fitting Luigi's more cowarding experience. Um, and the two of them, though, I will say, there's a great deal of focus on their relationship as brothers. 
Mario kind of looking out for Luigi, who's always getting picked on. And even though Mario's the shorter one, the bigger one, and he calls Luigi tall and skinny, you know, it's his little brother, and, you know, he'll be, uh, he'll be darned if anyone picks on his little brother. So when they're out trying to save the city of Brooklyn, they're underground trying to weld some pipes, trying to use their wrenches to solve as many problems down there as they can because they want to be big heroes. Of course, that backfires on them, and they end up well, well below the sewers and come across a green pipe. And, of course, one thing leads to another. You get sucked through the pipe, and out you come in the Mushroom Kingdom. Except Luigi ended up somewhere dark, fiery, and probably inhabited by Bowser, which was not great. Which means Mario, with the help of Toad, voiced by Keegan-Michael Key, needs to find Princess Peach... Have her help him find Luigi. And meanwhile, in the background, Bowser, played by Jack Black, is looking for the superstar, or a shine sprite, as many Mario fans would know, in hopes that, you know, once he gets this, he's going to rule the entire kingdom, and Princess Peach is probably going to want to marry him. Um, and that was a bigger obsession for this uh, iteration of Bowser than I thought. It starts. He starts out really solid. He's Pretty menacing for a little bit. Uh, Jack Black doesn't overdo it uh, until Jack Black does what he does. Jim Carrey does all those guys. You know, they kind of ham it up a little bit too much. And you're like, okay, this is turning more into a, a Jack Black show than actual Bowser. And You know, he gets his own song about Princess Peach. And some of it's kind of funny, but, you know, you're also like, all right, I need menacing Bowser and obviously there's a new audience today it's not as simple as Bowser stealing the princess from the kingdom and taking her away or Donkey Kong grabbing the princess and climbing up the ladders as he throws barrels at you but the film does a, a pretty decent job of going through a lot of well, covering a lot of different games a lot of the different levels and creatures you might encounter in some of those games um, and it's pretty true to how your interactions go with them, whether it's jumping on top of someone's head if you're a turtle, destroys your enemy, and you get a shell to throw around that'll bounce, and, you know, the mushroom power-ups and flame power-ups. Um, the animation was exceptionally well done, super bright and colorful. Um, everything looked incredibly vivid. Um, the animation design for the characters actually worked pretty well. They kind of looked almost Pixar-esque, you know, a couple of Mario's in-laws uh, were looking like they stepped out of Inside Out or something, but, you know, that's not a horrible thing, because um, the character design for a lot of the uh, the creatures was done really well, um, and, you know, I'm the one, I was probably the one solo older person there seeing this film without kids, so, you know, I gotta keep in mind this is a kid's movie. That doesn't mean it's infallible or that it can't uh, can't be worth critiquing. But, you know, it was pretty good for the most part. I was, you know, solidly entertained for a majority of the time. You know, minor complaints just being that I know obviously there's only so much you can do in two hours. And you want to tell a story and establish your emotional stakes with Mario and Luigi. But uh, for fans of the games, you know, there's so many iconic places they go to so many iconic characters you'll meet um and you know it kind of quickly bounces through the numbers just trying to move the the plot along swiftly 
gives you a little bit of time in each place, but, uh, you know, they could have done an entire Mario Kart sequence. Obviously, it was inspired by Fury Road and chasing after some people. But, uh, you know, you get a little cool customization as you would do designing your carts, different things like that. Um, I, You know, it was a good time at the movies. Kids had a great time. Um, there's obviously adult humor in there. The Luma stars, one of them, you know, was just begging for the, the sweet relief of death as it hangs above fire in Bowser's castle. And, you know, if you aren't familiar with Mario Galaxy or some of these characters, you know, their whole deal is they want to be sucked into the black hole. It's the, it means they've served their, uh, their light cycle. And so everyone else around them, they're like, oh my God, these guys are depressing. Like, you know, liven up, please. And, you know, it's like, please just dunk me, put me out of my misery. And, you know, the kids were giggling. The parents looked clueless and almost like, this is, kind of really grim i know kids these days you know i don't want to say millennials gen zers whomever there's kind of a darker sense of humor that while realistic to a degree and understanding you know the stars that your life is pointless nothing really matters in the end our existence is but a speck of dust in the cosmos and you're like okay sure in some ways yeah but you're like all right you know in the mario movie okay i guess that's what we're doing um and you know that the Super Mario games across so many different games, different franchises, they're iconic for their use of music as well. Whether it was the 8-bit music that has stood the test of time and been adapted in so many ways, your classic Mario themes down in the dungeon on water, um, when you get a star power up, all these different, there are so many sounds um, and so many little themes, kind of like Pokemon. Uh, you know, the the cross between Super Mario and Pokemon and Zelda and all those games, the titans of Nintendo's catalog, um, they've all just got incredibly catchy, really enjoyable music um, that just sticks in your head. And with the way that people are these days, with the way that composers are, the way that trailers are sold, you know, we get a lot of repackaged songs. Um, Ant-Man did the Elton John's Yellow Brick Road kind of recut in a slower, more dramatic fashion to go along with everything. And we've seen this for a couple of years now. You know, all you do is take a great song, slow it down, do a really soft piano version with some slow motion sequence going on. And it's like, whoa, this is like moody. You know, I don't want to blame the uh, the social network and what they did with Creep. But since then, everyone has been obsessed with trying to recreate that trailer and to recreate... You know, how can we change this song and use it to our advantage in a way no one's heard it before? So, with their entire catalog of all these Mario songs that they could have turned into orchestral productions, cool 80s-inspired synth stuff, um, and, and they do a little bit. You know, you get a couple different renditions of a, a couple themes. But, you know, we're using I Need a Hero. We're using tons of 80s. And, you know, some late 70s um, pop and rock songs. And, you know, it's fine. It's fine. I know it's a movie. I know that that's kind of the fashionable thing to do nowadays, I would say, whether it's in comic book movies, big action films, whatever. You know, you're going to put on some music that everybody recognizes or that 
You know, they're like, oh, this is such a classic song. I can't believe they're bringing Fleetwood Mac back. This rules. And, you know, it almost becomes more about the song in the sense that it's like, oh, like, it's just to remember, like, the scene is remembered because of the song. Or it was like, oh, wasn't that fun when Princess Peach was doing all her stuff to I Need a Hero. And Princess Peach is B.A. in this movie. Anya Taylor-Joy. Um, yeah, awesome voice work. Definitely one of the more standout uh, performers in there. Um, and gives some cool depth to the character of Princess Peach. And, um, you know... Yeah, it sounds cool as she goes around, I need a hero. But I was just hoping, I guess, for more of those Mario themes, of some of those really cool 8-bit classics that they could have redone. But, you know, that's probably a bigger gripe for me than it is for some people because I know people love classic music and some of these retro 80s hits in the in the movies. And there's a time and place, but all the time throughout the movie, I'm like, come on. Come on, you're Nintendo. You got songs in the catalog. Um, and then, you know, you've got Seth Rogen and Fred Armisen, who uh, who also voice, you know, they do Cranky Kong and Donkey Kong. And, you know, it's fun. I sat there for like two minutes. I was like, who is playing Donkey Kong? I thought it was someone else. And then as soon as he laughed and you get the, <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, that's Seth Rogen. That, okay, that's who Donkey Kong is. Um and just looking at the cast list here on IMDb, um, and again, I know you need stars to help sell a movie, because every time there's an animated movie, it's like, oh, you know, The Secret Life of Pets. We have 25 of the hottest singers, actors, TikTok stars, and whomever, all voicing their own little character. Um, and that's fine. You know, it's nice to hear a recognizable voice. But when you've got people... In your film, like Phil Lamar, who is one of the greatest voice actors of all time, bar none. Uh, you know, he's famously voiced Jon Stewart, the Green Lantern in Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. He plays the voice of Samurai Jack, Static Shock, Wilt from Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. He's done so many video games. Uh, you might know him as Marvin in uh, Pulp Fiction. Uh and this is the frustrating thing about translating video games to movies is because what makes some of those video games so good is the voice acting and these people whose entire jobs it is to sell you this character. And obviously that's an actor's job too, but it's really hard to differentiate between Star-Lord and the Lego movie guy and now Mario when you have Mario and the guy who played his, you know, the OG Mario is in your movie. Um, it just seems silly. And I'm not saying that you'd like save money by having him do it over Chris Pratt. But, uh, but I don't know when I'm looking at casting credits and it's like, oh, all these talented voice actors just doing additional voices. You know, did Seth Rogen make the movie for me as Donkey Kong? No. I just, you know, I guess it's my own gripe. When the voice acting is great, it's great. If an actor can pull it off, awesome. But here's just another scenario where you have dedicated actors who are looking for major gigs, who all they do is voice work, because you guys do the big budget, box office, live action stuff, you know? So throw them a bone. Give them a shot to lead one of these movies. I know Steve Carell's great as Gru, 
and then you got the minions. Uh, you know, let's just try something new. Take a shot on a video game adaptation and actually use those voice actors because I think it would work out pretty well. All in all, though, Mario was a good time. It's not Lego movie caliber, um, but, you know, that shouldn't stop you from enjoying it at the very least and finding more than a few things where you're like, oh, I get that reference. Hey, there's a little Yoshi over there, you know. Um, totally family-friendly, totally a good time if you got kids or little siblings, something like that. So, uh, you know, going into Easter as well. If you need something light for the family that's not the uh, the Air Jordan approach, Mario is definitely worth the while. Thanks again, you guys, and we'll see you next time.